Welcome to Front Office Pros. The NFL franchise tag deadline has come and went, and now we know that six players have officially received the franchise tag. With me to give their thoughts on how this affects the player in the NFL and fantasy football is none other than Joe and Dustin Ludke. Before we start, I'm asking you to write in the comments, which tag player were you hoping would hit the market, or which one are you excited about staying put? Hut, hut, hike! The first player we need to talk about who feels like we've been in a contract saga for a very, very long time is quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Lamar was tagged with the non-exclusive franchise tag, and for those of you who don't know what that means, it means that another team can sign him to an offer sheet, but in exchange, that team would have to give up two first-round picks as compensation to the Baltimore Ravens. The former first-round pick is entering his sixth season in the NFL at the age of 26. The franchise tag for quarterbacks is a whopping $32.4 million, Per over the cap, the Ravens have negative $9 million in cap space. Dustin, what is your reaction to Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag? It makes me feel like this, like the saga is going to continue, and we just got through episode one. We're headed for episode two because <laughs> where Lamar's going to play is still up in the air. Basically, what this tag is is the Ravens calling Lamar's bluff, saying, hey, we don't think you're worth what you think you're worth. Go out and try to find in the open market. When you do, bring it back to us. We can match it, or we'll take two first-round picks. For Lamar, it's not great because he has to go out and try to find it. The Ravens are basically saying, hey, the Browns are the stupid ones, that they signed Deshaun to this massive deal. No one else would have done that. No one's going to do it for you. But if you do, good for you. We'll take two first-round picks, and, and we'll go on. If Lamar can't find this deal, what happens? Does Lamar play? for the Ravens under this tag. I don't think he does. I think he sits mm. just like Le'Veon Bell did, which then opens up a whole other issue because then the Ravens need to find someone. So do they sign a vet like a Carson Wentz or someone for a one-year deal? Then theoretically, the team that would have taken Lamar also needs to find a quarterback. So it opens up another spot in this free agency class that's big but not great, and a kind of a deep, a heavy, top-heavy QB draft class. I'm not sure. Ravens saved some money here. They saved about $13 million by signing him to the non-exclusive instead of the exclusive. So they saved, it was, you know, three, two, four, and they would have paid four, four, five point three. So they're saving some money. Obviously, they're over the cap as is. So they're going to need to make some moves. I think it's great for the Ravens. I think it's great for the NFL in terms of the quarterback market, but I think it's bad for the marks. I think he's going to realize, oh, I'm not worth what I think I'm worth. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely it's going to be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of quarterback needy teams out there, so it'll be interesting to see if anyone does kind of uh, show him the money, so to speak, and also give up the give up the first round picks for him. Uh, as far as from like the fantasy realm, I think it's the I think it's best if Lamar does stay in Baltimore. They've already shown the ability to kind of placate the offense towards him, have that running style. They've always had a decent offensive line and a strong running game. And that's kind of what he really needs to flourish off the play action and stuff and be able to use his running ability. I just don't know if another team is possibly going to just like be willing to change everything around him and build the offense around him like the Ravens have been willing to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think from the Ravens cap perspective, obviously negative nine, they, they can restructure and get out of that. But coming up, they've got J.K. Dobbins as a free agent. And then, you know, many people probably don't know this name. It's not a household name, but Justin Matabuki, defensive tackle for them. Uh, he He's really performed really well. I, I could see them wanting to bring him back. I think you're right, Dustin. I think this is the Ravens being calling his bluff and being like, you think you can get what – we're giving you the best offer and we're going to let you 
go out there and see what you can get. The only pushback I have on you, Joe, is it'll be interesting because his whole career, he's had Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator, including his MVP season. Now he's got Todd Monken coming in, who was involved with the Georgia Bulldogs since 2000. I'm not so sure. I actually think he would be better off from a fantasy standpoint going somewhere else. Could you imagine? Now, the Dolphins don't have the picks, but could you imagine if the Dolphins got mm-hmm. Lamar and then you had Lamar with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Wild? I mean, that is just a ton of speed. So I, I'd say I'm excited that we may – and I don't even know when the last time this has happened. We may have a team sign Lamar to an offer sheet and give two first-round picks for Lamar. That would make this offseason super exciting. And it's an interesting wrinkle that you said, Dustin. I didn't even think about it. He probably doesn't want to play on the tag. Yeah. Especially after last year with him playing basically for a contract, getting hurt, so realizing, like, I need a long-term contract because if I get hurt, I'm sunk. So we'll see what he does, right? Other interesting, like, if he goes to the Jets, then that pushes Aaron Rodgers to someone else because everyone's just assuming Rodgers goes to the Jets. Like, it, him being available now... And the Ravens basically saying, like, hey, if you want him, come and get him, is, is something we weren't expecting, right? We were expecting them to trade him. But now they're saying, like, here, this is the price. The price is two first. You know what it is if you want to come and get him. Two first, then you have to sign him to this hundred and some million fully guaranteed contract. We'll see what teams do. There's a lot of teams that don't. There's, like, five or six teams that don't have the picks. So they're out automatically, not that they would go after him anyway. We'll see if some of these other teams, NFC South teams, to match Derek Carr, you know, Falcons, Panthers, Buccaneers, if they want to go get them and, and take a shot. The shelf life on Lamar is going to be small, right? We've already seen him get injured the past two seasons. I just don't know how long you can expect to keep him if you do sign him. Is he going to last for another five years? I don't know. I, I Go ahead, Joe. Well, that's where I think he's got to change his playing style. I think he's got to run a little less, and maybe that's what the new OC in the Baltimore might do for him is get him to play a little more in the pocket and stop a little bit of the run, but um, you know, I think a team like the Panthers uh, look out for maybe being aggressive. Dave Tepper's been looking for a quarterback in Carolina, and he's an aggressive guy, and I could totally see him putting the chips on the table and paying them and giving up the picks for him. Yeah, I mean, I would you would have thought that someone paying him all that money and then trading two first-round picks on top of it would never happen. But then Deshaun Watson happened, and the Texans got that and some, and then paid Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract <laughs> that we've never seen before. So I actually think it is in the realm of possibility. I would have told you, like, yeah. there's no way. But I think, like Joe was saying, there's so many quarterback-needy teams. Somebody is probably going to be willing to do it, and the Ravens may be like, hey, give us the two first-round picks, and we're willing to move on. So going on to our next play that we're going to be talking about is running back Saquon Barkley, running back of the New York Giants. Much speculation was made if he would hit the market with Barkley and Daniel Jones both set to be free agents. We just saw that at the buzzer, Daniel Jones signed for four years, $160 million with $82 million guaranteed. Now, if you're doing the math at home, well, that means he averages out to $40 million a year. So Daniel Jones was not kidding. He wanted that, and I'll tell you, my mind is blown. But anyways, uh, the former first-round pick is entering the sixth, his sixth season in the NFL at the age of 26. The franchise tag uh, for running backs is $10 million, And per over the cap, the Giants have $36 million in cap space before the Daniel Jones contract is added. 
So, Joe, I'll start with you. What is your reaction to Saquon Barkley getting the franchise tag? Yeah, you know what, Steve? I'm uh, I'm pretty bummed, honestly. I was hoping that Sa- we'd see Saquon hit the market, be able to, you know, see if uh, teams being willing to pay him. And, you know, it's it's kind of bad for – I feel bad for these running backs, man. Uh, they just $10 million on the on the uh, franchise tag, and they'd be able to get more if they hit the market. And just, you know, again, we're just using – the NFL just keeps using and abusing these running backs and then just keep paying them the minimal – you know, franchise tag, you know, Barkley's coming off a year where he actually stayed healthy. He had the most carries that he's had in a season. But I do think as far as fantasy, though, you know, I, I kind of for fantasy, I like him staying with New York, with Daniel Jones, with Brian Dable. They continue to build that relationship and the Giants use them a ton. And they're one of the teams that use a workhorse back and don't really involve multiple backs for fantasy. So it's it's honestly great for fantasy. But I feel Feel bad for your Saquon, and as an NFL fan, I wanted to see what you'd get if you hit the market. Yeah, I agree. We've never seen a running back of Saquon Barkley's caliber hit the market, um, so I agree with you. Like ten millions is so cheap to keep him. Um, he'd probably fetch twenty, twenty-five. Like who knows? We just never seen it. I agree with you. For fantasy, it's great. We've seen what Barkley can be in that offense. We've especially. Now they have Daniel Jones under center. The team repeats what they had last year. They had a really good season. I was hoping he'd hit the market too. I think it definitely opens up some uh, other possibilities. It was a stacked free agency class. Now we saw Barkley sign or get the tag. We'll talk about Josh Jacobs who got tagged. So it takes two pieces off the board there. It's a decent running back draft class. So there was talk like they could let Barkley walk and draft, you know, a Jameer Gibbs, they could have drafted B. John Robinson. They have the best, one of the best running backs in the league. At the end of the day, that's what you want on your team. And you can get by with that. And then Daniel Jones. I just worry that can they get Daniel Jones another wide receiver weapon with what they have left in the cap? But keeping Barkley for 10 million and signing Daniel Jones is better than signing Barkley and franchising and franchising Daniel Jones. So they save money that way. I'm excited for what that could be in fantasy because we saw it be good last year, so it should continue. See, I'm going to disagree with you there, Dustin. I think that contract that Daniel Jones did was that he got was just outrageous, in my opinion. But when it comes to Barkley, I know you're going to have to. I know I'll give you a chance to respond. I think when it, when it comes to cap space, they've got a couple guys that are coming up that that they're going to be thinking about that they want to sign. Uh, they got Dexter Lawrence, who had a breakout year last year, defensive tackle for them. Adoree Jackson and Leonard Williams, who were free agents that were signed with the former GM. They're getting a little bit older. They may not keep him. They also have safety Xavier McKinney. I'm with you, Joe. It's it's frustrating for these running backs as an NFL fan because we know the downturn age for running backs is around 29 years old. Saquon's 26, and and these teams know that as well. Now, He's one of the better running backs in a long time, but he's had an ACL injury. He's had ankle issues. So it's like, is Saquon ever going to get that long-term deal? He could get tagged twice or three times and then be done. So he never really, and at the end of the day, maybe it adds up, but that's really risky for him, especially for a guy who's been injured year in and year out. So as an NFL fan, I, I wanted Barkley to hit the market. I wanted to see him be able to test. But I think from a fantasy production, I, I think, New York Giants might be the best landing spot for them. There are not a lot of places where you see a workhorse running back style. And Dable, 
basically brought Saquon Barkley back to life. I mean, he was basically irrelevant these past few years. People had thought like he was done. He was never going to come back. And we saw the old Saquon Barkley, which I think many dynasty owners we had and were relieved to see what would happen. So I think, I think the giants are the best spot for him. So if you have them, you're probably happy, but long-term, um, there's a lot of question marks. Hopefully they sign them to a long-term deal. They have the money to do it. And if they want to, this is a new regime. If they want to pay their players and they want to have a reputation of doing that, they can. It'll be curious to see what they do. But Dustin, I know you want to respond. Go ahead. The Daniel Jones contract is outrageous for Daniel Jones, but it's not outrageous for a starting quarterback, right? So if they had signed Derek Carr, we wouldn't be upset about that. It's just that we have this notion that, Daniel Jones is not that great, which I agree he's not that great, but he did he does well in that system. And there's that they paid him a little extra because they got a guy who knew the system and can continue what they did last year. If they had to franchise tag Barkley, they would have paid him 10 million. Well, they paid 10 million, but if they had to franchise tag Daniel Jones, you're talking 36 million. So they only saved four million by franchise by signing Daniel Jones, and then they would have had to pay extra for for I think the math, if you would have done it the other way around, you would have been paying more. I think they can do it. I think they do sign them to a long-term deal. Eventually, the NFL is going to have to change with these running backs. I agree with you guys. It's it's a shame to see these running backs get used up on their rookie contracts and leave. But now with NIL in college, we're seeing guys like Corman go back to Michigan because they're going to make money. 2029, the CBA is up. They're going to have to renegotiate these rookie contracts because I think they have to increase it to make it worthwhile for these people to come out early and not go back to college. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can't blame these GMs that want to just keep tagging these running backs. I mean, like Steve mentioned, the the short shelf life. I mean, it's one of the shortest shelf lives in positions in the NFL itself. So, I mean, I completely understand why they want to just keep tagging guys and keeping them around. But for us fans, it's, uh, you know, really would be nice to see these guys hit the market. Yeah. So another running back that also received the franchise tag uh, was the Las Vegas Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, the former first-round pick, is entering its fifth season in the NFL at the age of 25. Uh, we, like we mentioned, the franchise tag for running backs is 10 million, and per over the cap, the Raiders have 39 million in cap space. Dustin, what was your reaction to Josh Jacobs getting the franchise tag? I'm so happy that we finally saw the Raiders do something smart. The Raiders didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option, knowing that they could have franchise tagged him, and the difference is only $2 million. So what they did last offseason was says, hey, Josh Jacobs, we're not going to pick up your fifth-year option. Play for your contract, and if you do well enough, we'll franchise tag you, and that's what happened. Josh Jacobs came out and was the number one running back last season, and then the Raiders go, okay, we'll tag you and pay you $10 million. If we would have picked up your fifth year, it's twelve. So it's a $2 million they actually saved. I think maybe they paid him eight. Or, it's only a $2 million difference. So they were smart to say, Play for your contract. You get one more year with us, and then you can go. So next year, Josh Jacobs was probably gone, but the Raiders were smart here, which is not something we normally say about the Raiders. Fantasy-wise, we get Jacobs back with the Raiders. I would have liked to see him go to a different team. Obviously, the Raiders lost Derek Carr. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. They still have Devontae Adams. But they can roll out with Jared Stidham this year, and then I'm not happy about Josh Jacobs because there's no threat of Stidham passing the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, here's another guy. It would have been nice to see coming off of his uh, rushing title, hit the market, and see what teams were going to be willing to pay him. But, uh, you know, maybe I, I really doubt that Raiders are going to roll out Stidham next year. Maybe it's a Jimmy Garoppolo comes to town, and then we feel a little bit better about Josh Jacobs and 
in Las Vegas, but depending on who the quarterback is, it, it could be a little it could be a little dicey for him for fantasy. Yeah. So for so as a Josh Jacobs owner in our dynasty <laughs> league that happens to be a salary cap league, and he's also a free agent for me, I'll tell you right now, I'm absolutely livid. I am so frustrated by what the Raiders are doing. <laughs> I thought that he was going to be like dust because they drafted Zamir White. They declined his fifth-year option. Josh McDaniels is in New England have never dedicated to a workhorse-style running game. So what do you know? Josh, Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game. Like No one expected him to, to, to do what he did. And then he becomes the leading rusher for all running backs last year. He had career highs, 1,653 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, 64 targets, 400 receiving yards. All those are career highs for Josh Jacobs. And then what do they do? They decide to franchise tag him. I understand, again, from an NFL standpoint, I understand why the the Raiders did it. I, I wish Josh Jacobs were hitting the market. They have no reason why they can't sign him. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Colton Miller, Max Crosby, all their cornerstone players, they all have multi-year deals. Yep. So they have $39 million in cap space. What are you going to do with that cap space, Raiders? Are you really going to let Derek Carr walk and then pay Jimmy G some $40 million yes. a year to have Jimmy G? Then the Raiders are stupid. No, <laughs> it's not no, a no, no, no. Okay, well, so back to Jacobs. To me... <laughs> Like as an owner of Jacobs, like I'm, I'm seriously considering him letting him walk, because oh, in, in in my league, sure. because in my opinion, it's like he had Carr, and and that allowed there to be a threat of running and passing. Like I don't really know if that's going to be the case moving forward. And with him getting the franchise tag, I don't know what's going to happen next year. If he has a bad year or he hurts his knee, I could totally see McDaniel's being like. Hey, thanks for your service. See you later. Oh. So, so to me, I it's a nightmare situation for a Josh Jacobs owner, in my opinion. You should sell Josh Jacobs. I, let's just start. Jimmy G is better than Derek Carr. That's a video for another day. But here's the deal. <laughs> Josh Jacobs was second in evaded tackles last year with 123. So if he doesn't evade those tackles, he loses how many yards. He was, but he was 23rd in true yards per carry at 4.6. He had a minus 8.9 in expected points added, which is 110th in the league. So, like, he was super duper, like, if it wasn't for those beta tackles and just adding those yards, like, he's not that good. At the end of the day, like, he had a great season, but at the end of the day, he's not a great running back. That's why they didn't pick up his fifth-year <laughs> option. That's why they were like, hey, we'll gamble on it, and they'll use him one more year, and they'll get rid of him. So, if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm trading Josh Jacobs as quick as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you let him hit the market, Steve. It, I actually, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if you do let him hit the free agency market in our league, uh, what somebody's willing to pay for him. You know, obviously by that point, we'll probably know a little bit more about the quarterback situation, which changes a lot. Um, but the one, you know, the one positive for him in fantasy, he still gets to play the Broncos uh, twi- twice a year with their, in that division. <laughs> and he just demolishes them for some reason. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, I think, I don't have the luxury of trading him because he's a free agent and you can't trade free agents. But in the dynasty league, I'd agree with you. I, I would be looking to trade him, but uh, you know, 
that saga will continue later on for another day. Uh, so the next player we're going to be talking about, another running back, and you catch a theme here, uh, is Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. The former fourth-round pick is entering his fifth season at the age of 25. The franchise tags for running backs, like we said, was $10 million, And over the cap has the Cowboys at negative $16 million in cap space. Joe, what is your reaction to Tony Pollard getting the franchise tag? Yeah, you know, not not too surprised. I mean, they really got to retain Tony Pollard. He's really been the better of the two backs that they've had here, uh, you know, especially last season. Uh, Zeke is declining, and, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are the example of why you don't give running backs that big long-term contract. Mm-hmm. They gave it to Ezekiel Elliott. They haven't gotten the return on their investment the last couple of years. And, you know, now here we they, you know, tag Pollard. Um, who they have to keep around. Ezekiel Elliott could be out of the out the door if they can't if he doesn't want to restructure his deal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Dallas. Yeah, the Zeke part is the what shocked me. I thought Tony Pollard was gone. They have so much money tied up into Zeke, and his dead cap if they cut him is massive. Like they've committed like twenty two million dollars in cap to the running back position. Zeke might restructure. We'll see. Obviously, Jerry Jones loves Zeke. I like Tony Pollard, and that O-line should remain mostly intact. They could lose left guard Connor McGovern, um, but they should get Tyron Smith back healthy. There's a good, there's a large free agency group, so they could replace McGovern and left guard and have a good offensive line, which has been the, the cornerstone of that offense and that running offense specifically. Mike McCarthy has come out and said he wants to run the ball, give his defense some rest. He wants to kind of slow the game down. So that bodes well for both Zeke and Pollard. Pollard had his best season. He was running back eight last year, but he was he had nine rushing touchdowns. He had 193 carries, and he averaged 5.22 yards a carry. So he was really efficient. He also was third in the league in breakaway runs with 17. He was fourth in breakaway rate, which is 8.8%. So every 8.8% of his carries, he was getting a breakout, breakaway run. So again, big runs, not necessarily like consistent pounding the ball we saw from Zeke. So if he misses out on a couple of those big runs... His, his production and his fantasy points come down. The good news is that we saw that he could be running back eight in that offense. I don't think him going anywhere else, he's going to be a top 10 running back. So I think this is the best fit for him in fantasy. Interesting. Yeah, I, similar theme I'd like for him to have tested the market. It might be the best thing for him, though, in that he broke his left leg and suffered a high ankle sprain in that divisional game. So, I mean, he's not recovered at that point. He is a running back. So who even knows if he actually would get fair market value at this point, yeah. even if he made it to the market. But I would have liked to seen him gone to a team like the Dolphins, you know, somewhere that there is like an absolute void of running back. I agree that it's not the worst thing for him to come back to Dallas. And we just heard, like you said, about Mike McCarthy wanting to run the ball more than he, than they used to. The offense is going to change. Dalton Schultz is... Unless gone. he doesn't get anything out of the out of the market and comes back on a team friendly deal, he's gone. So he was a staple in that offense. Yeah. And then you've got CeeDee Lamb coming up on his fifth year option. So Cowboys are in kind of some cap trouble. My only pushback with you, Joe, on the Zeke Elliott deal, I think that's where it's it gets to the point where it's like you're excessive. Because I think at the time that Zeke Elliott contract, they gave him like a five or six year deal. You yeah. don't have to give a running back a five or six year deal. You can give him a three or four year deal. I think that's where it was like, like a gross, like overcorrection to give him all those years with all that money. I think, I think you can kind of find a middle point, but I I hear what you're saying. I mean, the the Cowboys Zeke has definitely lost a step 
so that is the argument for not signing those running backs to long-term deals. All right, so the next player we're going to be talking about is tight end Evan Ingram from the Jacksonville Jaguars. The former first-round pick is entering his seventh season in the NFL at the age of 28. The franchise tag for tight ends is $11.3 million, and per over the cap, the Jaguars have negative $5 million in cap space. Dustin, what is your reaction to Evan Ingram getting the franchise tag? From a Jaguars perspective, it made sense, right? He revitalized his career. The, he became the Evan Ingram we wanted to see for so long. Had a great year. Helped Trevor Lawrence take that next step. The problem is, is for Evan Ingram, like he should have been out in the market. He probably would have been the top tight end available. Now he's stuck on the Jaguars where he's going to be behind Christian Kirk and now the reinstated Calvin Ridley. So his target share is going to drop. He was second in yards after the catch with 460 yards after the catch. So again, if he does, if he doesn't break those tackles, doesn't get those yardage, like his his production drops. If I'm an Evan Ingram or in fantasy, I'm trying to sell him because I think people are, are still have that buzz that he broke out. He had this great end of the season and he was the tight end darling in the season. It's a smart move by the Jaguars. It stinks for Evan Ingram. And for fantasy owners, I think it's a clear indication that you need to sell right now. Hmm, that's interesting, as I uh, am the Evan Ingram owner in the Dynasty League. Uh, I don't know. You don't. So you don't think that the offense could support, you know, th- three three top targets? I mean, I don't know. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, a young quarterback. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to see him hit the market, I think. But he did resurrect his career with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. So I'm kind of, as the owner, I, I don't know if I'm ready to just on selling i kind of want to see what happens with uh, another year of trevor lawrence and the doug peterson offense i'm in agreement with you joe i think from a fantasy perspective this is the best place for him and i don't even think that evan i mean i don't know evan ingram person i didn't call him up on my phone and be like hey what'd you think of this <laughs> but i have to think that he's okay with it i mean he signed a one-year prove-it deal last year he didn't he, you know giants didn't uh decide to keep him he was able to hit the market his market was dry, so he signed a one-year prove-it deal with Jacksonville. And then by being there, he's done really well. Doug Peterson over the years has featured the tight end position. Not all teams do that. So to me, I think you saw those flashes with him. I mean, he had a career high in receptions and receiving yards, 73 receptions and 766 receiving yards. So to me, I, now whether they sign a long-term deal or not, I'm not sure. Um, they do have Josh Allen defensive end coming up next year as a free agent. So they do have to consider, you know, what it's going to look like to keep him. The big question I have for Evan Ingram from a fantasy perspective is, can he continue the production he had with Calvin Ridley in that offense also? Someone's going to have to follow off unless Trevor Lawrence throws for 5,000 yards, which I don't see happening. <laughs> so is it is it Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram? ETN, like which one's going to be affected by the addition of Ridley? That's the question I have. And that's where maybe you say Ingram would be better off somewhere else, but I don't necessarily feel that way because he was a pretty big disappointment in New York. Yeah. I just feel like he signed that one year prove it deal and proved it. So he like, I feel like he earned the right to go out on the market and now he's not getting that with the tag, which is what he probably didn't consider or thought maybe wasn't a possibility when he signed it. Who knows? But the fact that he actually proved it, which most people don't on the one-year deal, and now he should be on the market and he's not, I, I think it's a good landing spot. I don't think it's a great landing spot for him. Yeah, I th- I think uh, you know a guy like Zay Jones is more likely to 
feel the hit of Calvin Ridley more so than Evan Ingram. I just wonder if uh, having a guy like Calvin Ridley along with Christian Kirk might help open the middle of the field up for Ingram and maybe not have to rely on so much of the yards after catching those big plays. So the last player that got tagged uh, was defensive tackle Deron Payne from the Washington Commanders. Uh, For those of you who play in IDP leagues, this is where Deron Payne would be interesting. And for those who don't, they don't really care. Um, But he had a really good season last year. ended up having 64 total tackles, which was a career high, and 11 and a half sacks, which were a career high. And he's playing alongside Jonathan Allen, Chase Young coming back, and Montez Sweat. So for those of you who play in IDP, you're probably pretty happy that Deron Payne stayed because he finally broke out and showed what he was expected to do um, as a first-round talent. But that is the six players that were tagged at the deadline. We went over our reaction to all the players who were tagged and what are the implications of that decision. If you enjoyed this video, please like and subscribe to our channel. And also, if you prefer to listen uh, to podcasts, we're now on Spotify and Apple. Don't forget to leave a comment on which tag player you were hoping would hit the market or which one you are excited that they're staying put. Thanks so much for watching and until next time.